This is Laree Daniel Favors, and welcome to The Hub. Because I mean, just saying, it's difficult. You know, you're you're trying to, to keep it together. You want to have a conversation, but you're realizing that it is an emotional issue, and the issue of protecting our rights is certainly an emotional issue for me. It's something that I give myself to, uh, just in my my day to day affairs and my daily life, and it's something that I care a lot about. And the fact of the matter is, y'all, eight six six eight zero one eight two five five eight six six eight zero one talk. We have a lot of people out there who have been working on ending our access to rights for a very long time. You know, I keep hearing Clay Kane and other folks, you know, Joe Madison and Karen on this channel talk about the fact that, you know, we often end up upset. We get angry. We didn't get student loan debt canceled in two years. Uh, we didn't get a reparations check after the, uh, the afternoon of the inauguration. Uh, we didn't get, there's a lot of things we didn't get in these two years and doggone it. We're not going to vote because what did we get from the Democrats, says so many of you on the lines and on the social media spaces. And and you pose these questions where you're just asking yourself, you know, what did we get from the Democrats without ever asking what are the Republicans doing to you? Right. And we know that we've gotten a lot from the Democrats. I read a bunch of it. I I do it all the time. I regularly read the things that we are getting from the Democrats, like the stimmy that a lot of folks got and were happily spending. You needed that stimmy, you'd have more stimmy if we had more Democratic votes, enough votes to overdo uh, Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema. You like the health care that you have right now? That's by the Democrats. You know why? Because the Republicans sued 67 times to stop you from having access to health care. You like having access, <laughs> what else do you want? Do you like having access to infrastructure? I, I say, what else do you want? As if there aren't many things. There are many things that we want. Do you like having bridges that don't fall on your head? Do you like having access to broadband? Do you like those things? Thank the Democrats because that's who gave it to us. Now, did you get a stimmy check that said the black people only stimmy check? No, you did not. Are you going to get legislation that says only the black people can get this? No, you are not. Now I know right now. There's at least one or two people out there who are saying, well, Laurie, the Asians got the Asian anti-Asian hate bill. What do we get? Okay, first of all, the Asians did not get an anti-Asian hate bill. Americans got an anti-hate bill when there were eight people shot in Asian, uh, uh, what is it? What is it? Beauty parlors and Asian-owned institutions in a display of anti-racist violence. Shouldn't they also get some legislation? Or, or shouldn't we also have legislation that's passed when one of their community members is targeted the way ours traditionally are? We've got the James Byrd Act. I know y'all don't know he was black, a lot of y'all. But we've gotten that legislation. We've gotten a variety of pieces of legislation that deal with our issues and concern. Will it say the black people's legislation? No. Why? Because we live in America. And in America, as soon as you say something is for black people, racist people are going to try to attack it. That's what they do. That's what they do. Let's get one of your voices on the line. Mike from D.C. Thank you so much for calling. Mike, what do you have to say this morning? Hey, Larry. Um, I, I agree with everything you're saying about um, what Democrats have done that a lot of people aren't looking into or realizing. But I, have a, I just have an issue, and I agree that you have to vote this year. I'm voting, and I'm still urging people to vote, and I'm volunteering. 
um, and I'm spending my money that I have to like support campaigns that I I like, but. I'm looking at the administration and what they're not doing as far as the gerrymandering, and I'm worried if my vote will mm. even count because how hard Republicans are going in regards to limiting voting or making it harder. And we wow. voted in record numbers during the pandemic. Yes. So voters, well, voters been stepping up, and I'm just waiting for the people that we vote in to step up and not get on us about voting, and then mm. we vote, and then I'll vote. We don't see the results. And it's just frustrating. And I'm looking at younger people talk to me about, what's going on and how um, they're disenfranchised. And I don't even know what to say to them even more. Uh, Mike. Oh my God. I love me some urban view. Y'all just be so on point. It's like we, we, it's like, it's as if we plan these questions and we do not. Did y'all call it the perfect time with the perfect comment? Mike, I think you're absolutely right. I think you are speaking to the, the, the emotional state of our communities who are feeling really disenfranchised right now. But here's the thing about redistricting. If you live in a state that's run, regardless of what state you live in, your state legislature manages redistricting. I, I will say this as someone who lives in the state of New York, who was very involved in creating unity maps that were designed to create maps. And we did uh, through our coalition that created an equitable distribution of political power throughout our entire region. And had those principles been adopted, we would have seen throughout the entire state of New York, the equitable distribution of power, but our state elected officials, not the federal government, our state, and we're in a democratic majority state. They blew it. I'm just, I mean, there's no way around it. The Democrats blew it in our state. <laughs> they blew it. Uh, they had literally victory handed to them and they blew it. And so, you know, it's frustrating. But what we're seeing really across the country is in state after state after state where Republicans are in power, whoever is in power in your state houses, that is who manages your redistricting process. So when we see all these maps come out that are not fair, that crack black communities or pack them into as few districts as possible, we got to ask, who is in power in this state? And if it's Republicans, that lets us know exactly what is happening at the time. And so we got to be able to organize. But Mike, we also got to be able to educate our people because frankly, a lot of us do not know and do not realize that voting on election day you know, I said yesterday you vote once a year or once an election. You actually should be voting twice. You have the primary election, which is sort of the weed out election. It says everybody and their grandmother think they should be on the final ballot. Let's see who we really think should be on the final ballot and let those two go at it. But we should be voting twice and one on the primary and once in the general. But then on the other 363 days of the year, we have work to do. You guys heard what Max Burns just said. Republicans have been working to undo abortion, to undo interracial marriage, to undo same-sex marriage, to undo integration for decades. They do it electorally. They do it by organizing. They do it by fundraising. And they do it on the 363 days of the year that they're not voting. So, Mike, I would just say to me at this point, it's not even just about the vote. Vote. Who do we want controlling our communities? Who do we want? Because if you vote for Republicans, uh, they will control the communities. If you don't vote for Democrats, you are also then empowering Republicans to control our communities because the Democrats may be living in states or districts like yours where the distribution of the votes has been co-opted by the Republican Party. So we have our largest voting bloc, which is the non-voter. And I get it. No shade. 
But just know that by not voting, you are literally giving the Republicans the ability to end abortion, to end integration, to end desegregated schools, to end uh, uh, the ban against racism in housing and public accommodations at the ballot box. You're literally giving them the ability to create the world that they want which is a 1750s America. It's not easy, Mike. It is not. And I'm so glad that you're still out in them streets because the discouragement is real, brother. Like the frustration people feel is real. But one of the things I found that's successful is not approaching my folks with a question about do they want to vote or how are they registered to vote, but asking them what do they care about? What are the, the, the three things that disgust them the most about their community? Is it the way the police treat you? Is it the homelessness? Is it the gang violence? Is it uh, the prison industrial complex? Whatever it is. And then I ask them, I, I walk them through how that issue that they care so passionately about is literally impacted by the ballot. It's impacted by the vote. Let's get another call on the line. Carla, oh, doggone it. I'm sorry, Carlos, you was just about to come to you. I want you guys to listen to this clip uh, because here's what's at risk. Not only have Republicans been working on these issues for decades, they don't care if they didn't get it in the two years of the election cycle. They don't care. They're not thinking in terms of 24-month increments. They're thinking in terms of decades. How How much work will I have to do between 1974 and 2022 to get what I want? Doesn't matter how long it takes. I'm going to keep working towards it because I am a social engineer. Racist people, white supremacists, or as the caller said yesterday, white savagists, people who believe that they should weaponize their whiteness against all other people, including the planet, they are crystal clear about the amount of work that they have to do. They will create conditions that replicate the world that they want and then wait on you to fight against it. And if you think uh, that they're going to have sympathy for you when what they created blows up in all of our faces, well, then think again. I want you to listen to this clip of uh, Fox News host and her guest talking about who's responsible Who's really responsible for the mass shootings taking place in schools? And it, and it shouldn't just be, shouldn't be the legislators. No. Who's really responsible for what's happening in these schools? Who's responsible for putting hands in the guns of people uh, who come into our schools and shoot them up? Who's responsible for this? It's the parents, damn it. Take a listen. Well, Andrew, uh, we're learning more as time goes on about this suspected killer who himself was shot and killed by the authorities on the scene. Uh, but I remember the first time you came on this program uh, after this, your own horrific experience with tragedy. And the fact that we're, we are still having these conversations about just, just putting you know, barriers in place to make it harder for someone to gain access to a school, whether it's an intercom or bulletproof glass or one security officer, it is quite stunning that that's still in many communities. Maybe it's budget. Maybe it's a desire. I don't know. But they still don't have those safety mechanisms in place. Oh, and what I advocate a lot is because I get a lot of messages from parents. It's the parents. It's your responsibility where you send your children to school. You have to know now after these shootings and every week there's a shooting, whether it's at a school or in a supermarket, that you need to check where your kids go to school. You need to go back to the school and see, is there a single point of entry? Do you have guards at the school? I got a message tonight, made me feel kind of good from someone. They told me, thanks. They thanked me because they listened to me and they sent, they took their kid out of public school and put him in in, in a private school. Because a lot of these private schools, they take security way more serious. So parents, it's your responsibility ways 
where you bring your children Andrew, and, and you have to know. Andrew, um, that's exactly yes. right. And Oh, Jesus. He tied my bow tie. They said you can't do what you need to do medicinally to take care of a pregnancy. But once that little baby is born, we're going to vote against baby formula even though our nation is in a shortage right now. We are going to, we the Republican Party will vote against baby formula. We the Republican Party are going to politicize guns and make sure everyone that we want to have a gun has a gun. And if your schools get shot up, well, goddammit, parents, it's your daggone fault. Why didn't you check the weapon capacity of the people at your school? How come you didn't find out if your teachers were trained enough to be able to hold a gun and teach math to the second grade class while they were going between homeroom and the gym and hopefully dodging the bullets of the next mass shooter? It's your fault, parents. That's what Republicans want. So when we're talking to people about why they should be voting, we might even need to stop talking as much about the Democrats because Republicans want you to die. <laughs> I mean, what else can we say? Republicans don't care if your babies, be they black, be they white, be they a blend of whatever, they don't care if you die. They will vote against you having access to baby formula when there is a well-documented shortage and mothers and fathers cannot feed their children. Republicans don't care if you die in second, third, and fourth grade so long as they get to ensure that everyone that they want to have access to a weapon will have access to a weapon, and then they're going to blame it on mental health? They're going to blame it on mental health, Greg Abbott, while they slash the budget for mental health care. They don't care if you die. They don't care if you die. In fact, they are literally proactively implementing legislative rules and policies to ensure the likelihood that you will. That is what is at stake right now. This is where we are right now. They don't like black people. They don't. They ain't never like black people. And I don't want to hear nobody talk about, well, you know, it was the Democrats that enslaved you. The Republicans saved you. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something right now. White supremacy, white savagery knows no political limitations. It just so happens that right now the Republican Party is the umbrella party for the white savage racists in this country. Could switch tomorrow. That's what they've done it before. They'll switch it again. We are not beholden to a party. We are trying to ensure we can stay alive. Last year, there was supposed to be the signing of the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act. And Tim Scott, the black male representative from the great state of South Carolina, allowed himself to be pimped out by the Republican Party. Well, I don't know if it's pimping if you're a part of it. Are you being pimped if you're a part of the pimpery? If the pimposity is involving your collaboration, are you really being pimped? I don't know. But Tim, black man, lying liar who lies, cotton to Congress, Scott, was allowed to use his positioning to undermine the ability to get criminal justice reform in this nation. So, yeah, it's the Republicans and it's the black Republicans, too, because if you didn't call that out as a black Republican, shame on you. After spending months trying to negotiate this bill, Tim Scott and the Republicans undermined it and then they lied about it and they were so damn sloppy. So sloppy, Tim, lying liar who lies, Scott. It's just sloppy. You disgrace your ancestors. But after that, the Democrats said, well, we're going to have to respond. They could not undo the filibuster because they don't have enough Democrat votes. They got 48 out of 50 votes for people who would sign on, but they got Joe Manchin and Kristen Sinema. So you know what that means? We need more freaking Democrats in the Senate. And because we could not get that legislation passed, there is continued pressure that was applied. And yesterday... Was it yesterday? Lord, I'm losing my days. Yesterday, President Joe Biden did what he could to fill in the gap. He signed an executive order 
that is going to impose new standards for the use of force provisions. This executive order is going to create a national misconduct database of officers. It is going to restrict the transfer of quote-unquote weapons of war to state and local police. This only applies to federal law enforcement officers because that is where Joe Biden's jurisdiction ends. He is the president of the federal government. Your local police, NYPD, getting arrested for all sorts of things that don't nobody want to cover that in the news. Y'all stay getting arrested for criminality in the NYPD. That's not going to be impacted by this necessarily because that is a city, a state level agency. But at the federal level, the state police, there has now been an executive order that will cover federal officers, over 100,000 of them. This executive order will require hiring screening, uh, which will include screening of the applicants and screening of the officers who are engaged in promoting white supremacy, who are engaged in promoting unlawful bias, who are engaged in promoting violence. This is an order that is going to create a strategic plan to reduce racial disparities, to reduce other types of disparities that are currently present and rife within the criminal justice system. The executive order bans uh, chokeholds and it limits no-knock entries. It covers 100,000 officers and the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, uh, which would have ended qualified immunity, right, can't be done by executive order. Because, you know, it just can't be. There are limitations on what can be done with the executive order. So when people are talking about, we need an executive order for reparations, you can't get an executive order for reparations. It's not how it works. And even if you got an executive order for reparations, as soon as Donald Trump were to enter into office or steal the election in 2024, he would undo the executive order. That's how executive orders work. It matters. So let's stop talking about I'm voting for Democrats. Let's say I'm voting for the party that doesn't want to kill me and my people. I'm voting for the party that believes we should have access to baby formula and won't vote against it. I'm voting for the party that believes we should have criminal justice reform, but they need more votes in order to get it done. I'm voting for the party that believes we should have integration as a social policy and who are not actively working to end it. I'm voting for the party that is not trying to use a woman's right to reproductive care as a way to undermine every other right that we rely upon. Let's be honest with the people. Voting ain't going to get you Wakanda. Honey, voting ain't even going to get you, it might not get you to the end of the block, but it'll make sure you might not die on your way there. It's the community work that fills in the rest of those gaps. And that's the work that we have to continue to do. 